Okay, this morning I'd like to talk about something in the, in the Bible, the Scriptures, that uh, I think we can all agree on. Uh, atheists, you wouldn't agree, and probably uh, the Jewish community, the traditional uh, Orthodox Jewish wouldn't agree, or at least wouldn't agree with the time period. But I think the rest of us can agree with this. Now, I know it's a, it's a big book. The Bible's a big book. Uh, we may not fully agree on who's going to be in the bride or who's not. Uh, who's going to be in heaven? Who's going to be in the New Jerusalem? Who's going to be in hell? Who's going to be in the lake of fire? There may be a lot of things we study and, and maybe don't agree on. Uh, and again, as we uh, grow, there may be something you don't agree with what yourself of 10 years ago or 15 years ago. That's called growth. But uh, what we're talking about this morning, uh, I think we all certainly can uh, agree on it. And what it is, is uh, it's actually in Colossians, the first chapter, being made perfect in Christ. I think we can all, again, agree on that. Perfect in Christ. Colossians, Apostle Paul writing to the uh, church of Colossae here, and of course recorded for our learning and admonition as well. And our lesson will be in verse 28, but we'll back up and work our way towards 28. Paul and, and, uh, says in 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Now, let me first say what it doesn't mean. Paul's not saying, I'm doing something to make you perfect uh, in Christ. It's, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, this te my teaching of the gospel, this teaching of the gospel that everyone would see that you're made perfect in Christ. So he's not making anybody perfect, but by his ministry and his teaching, teaching you that you will see that in Christ you're perfect. And that's what, that's what our, our lesson is about, and uh, we'll, we'll go back and, and work our way up to this, but I hope we can see that you're made perfect in Christ, period. That's what I want to, what I like to bring out. So let's go back to verse 17 in Colossians 1 and try to work our way uh, down through here. Uh, verse 17 says, uh, And he, talking about Jesus Christ, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I'm not going to get in discussion, okay, what about God the Father and, and, and the Holy Spirit and, and uh, Jesus Christ. I don't want to get into that right now. But what we're talking about here is talking about Jesus Christ. He's before all things, of course. He's eternal. He didn't, he didn't come into existence whenever he was born uh, of Mary. He was before all things. But it says, and by him all things consist. Well, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things, but by him, 
all things consist. That's what it says. Oh, and also, I'm not giving you my opinion this morning. If I give an opinion, I always try to tell you. We're just going from the word. But it says, uh, by him all things consist. Did he need any help? I told you the story, Betty, you and I talked about it. Somebody used to be on television years ago. And uh, he looked out in, the, in the, the television audience and everything. He says, God needs you. Did God need you during creation? Done all right, didn't they? And then he says, uh, of course, he's wanting to give, well, he wasn't wanting to give. He's wanting to get money is what he's wanting to get. And he said, in fact, he said, God needs you. He said, in fact, point your finger at yourself. Say, God needs me. And I've mentioned it before. If God needs me, he's in bad shape. He didn't need me during creation. He doesn't need me for anything. Perfectly capable. God and Jesus Christ. So uh, that's what I want to bring out verse 17. By him all things consist. I didn't have to help him. Perfectly capable. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning from the firstborn, from the dead, and all things he might have the pre uh, preeminence. So talking about the church, he's the head of the body, the church. If you want to know where the body of Christ is, his true churches, he's the head. Uh, a little different subject we won't go into this morning. But it says... In all things, he might have the preeminence. True? It's not my opinion. In all things, he would have the preeminence. He would have the honor and glory. Does he have the preeminence in your salvation? I'm talking about the salvation of your soul from the lake of fire. Does he have the preeminence in that? Or are we stealing a little bit of honor and glory away and say, well, we have something to do? Penny, I remember Brother Alston uh, talked about some of the things he believed early on, some of the things he even preached that he later, he said, Rhonda, he was so ashamed of it. that he was stealing whenever he was preaching some of those early things, free moral agency and all that, he was stealing some honor and glory away from the Lord. And the scripture slipped my mind where it's at now, but says, uh, uh, he that stole, let him steal no more, rather labor to have that he may give to those in need. And to use the new brother Alston, he labored, in the word, to have, to give those in need. And I was the one of them in need. Rhonda, you as well as many of the rest of you here. He labored to give to those that was in need. Not physical, not canned food and physical things, but spiritual, eternal things. That wasn't why I brought it, but it worked. Uh, so, does he have the preeminence in the salvation of your soul, or does he need help? Okay, we know the answer to that. Verse 19, 
For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Boy, that's a, a short little verse, but my goodness, doesn't it say a lot? Fullness means to, uh, to, to level up a hollow. If we had a cup or a glass or something here, and we filled it completely up, that's what it said, it would be full. And, that, and that's what it says here, that uh, it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. It's full. It's complete. So, is this true? Uh, it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. Or again, does He need your help? Uh, Keith, I was thinking of a, uh, along a business line when I was thinking of some of this. I used to wonder uh, people would take, have business partnerships and uh, two or three or maybe four people would go into partnership in a particular business. And I, you know, for a long time I wondered, well, why? Each one of these had financial uh, ability to do this on their own. Why, why would they go into a partnership? And I didn't know for a long time, but each one of the, if there's four, four people in this partnership, each one of them has a, a value. They, this person knows so many people and has so many connections. This person knows so many people, has so many connections and, and different things like that. So I can see among men who are partnerships could certainly be a good thing. But in him should all fullness dwell. I don't have anything to give. He's not lacking that he needs anything from anybody. So, again, in him should all fullness dwell. Full, complete, doesn't need anything from us. Verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. We read that recently. Um, but says, having made peace. And this word peace here means harmonize or, or fit together. He made peace to where this fits together. He made peace. He. Having he made peace, did he need your help? It's through the death, uh, said, made peace through the blood of his cross. Doesn't need a partnership in that. And if we want to look at partnership, I've made this statement before. We are only on the receiving end of his grace and mercy. That's our part in it. Not a contributing, just a receiving. So he made peace. And again, this peace is, is harmonized. It fits together. Again, did he need my help to make his peace or your help? No. He's not lacking in any way. And then it goes on that verse. 
And it said, uh, made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself. And again, I've talked about reconciliation. I talked about accounting class in high school and how we reconcile the bank statement. But Nicole, uh, her position uh, at work, she has all this money. It has to reconcile to what she deposits. And those recap sheets has to reconcile to the rent cards, and they have to reconcile to uh, uh, the delinquency. And then that has to reconcile to the uh, rent rolls, which has to reconcile to the trial balance. All has to fit together. All has to be, if it's out of balance, has to be reconciled. Okay, this is out of balance, and it has to be reconciled, has to be brought back in balance, has to fit together. But it says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile. Does he need our help in his reconciliation? Why do we need reconciled? And, and let me go back to Romans chapter 5 real quick. I'm just going to read uh, one verse there. Why do we need reconciled? Are we, well, are we out of balance? Romans 5 and 12. Romans 5 and 12 says, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world. That's Adam. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world. And death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Adam fell. The human race fell out of balance to God. But this says in our text, in verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, that's harmonizing, bring us back into harmony, by him to reconcile all things to himself. So he reconciled us to himself. He, recon he reconciled us to God. Does he need our help to reconcile us? Does he need our help to make peace? And the answer is, is no. He made peace through the blood of his cross. And by him to reconcile. He reconciled. Uh, 21. And you were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. There again, he reconciled. Doesn't say we, he reconciled. Doesn't need our help. Perfectly capable. 22. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameable and unreprovable in his sight. So, by the body of his flesh, through death, he's able to present you holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. Holy. Unblameable, unreprovable. That's how he's going to present his 
Does he need any help? I, I still hear the words of a lady one time. And she says, I'm above reproach. I'm unreprovable. We're unreprovable in Christ, but that's not what she was meaning. That's not what she was saying. Because of her goodness and her righteousness, her decisions, she's unreprovable in that way. And what? Uh, don't have words to describe that statement hardly. Very bad, very bad uh, description or very bad uh, position to be in to think that it's through what we do that we're made unreprovable. But again, he doesn't need our help. He says, uh, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. He makes us that way. Doesn't need our help. Thinking of those words, uh, holy and unblameable, hold your place here and go to Ephesians. Uh, very familiar. Hated by uh, many. Again, I'll read it. It's not my opinion. But it has to do with what we just read there. Holy, unblameable. Uh, Ephesians 1 and 4. According as he has chosen us in him. That's according as God has chosen an elect in Christ. According as he has chosen us in him. Aren't you glad we're chosen in him? The one that's... Uh, able to bring peace and able to reconcile according as he has chosen us in him gives a time before the foundation of the world I certainly would couldn't be any help then according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love there it is again that's how he's going to present. God chose his elect in Christ in the time period before the foundation of the world, before I was born, before you was born. And he chose them in Christ for a reason, that we would be holy and without blame. And again, that, that's what our, our, our text said, holy without blame, unblameable. Did God make a... A, a poor decision said God chose us in him did uh, did God make a poor decision here he chose us in Christ maybe he should have chose us uh, in Christ plus ourself plus a pope or plus this or plus something else that's foolish isn't it chose us in him and he's certainly uh, capable. Uh, and it also says, and, and as much as I love this verse, for years, I kind of stopped there. Because, Ronald, that, that was enough. That was enough for me. My goodness. <clears throat> According as he has chosen us and him before the foundation of the world, that we should be whole without blame before him. That was enough. What more could I ask for? But... The little word on the end, in love. 
And we think of love and everything. But what does that really mean? He chose us in him, be holy without blame, but in love. What does that tell us? Well, he loved us. Hold your place here. Go to 1 John chapter 4. It explains what that love is and, and what a blessing it is uh, to see this. And what a blessing it is not to leave that off of Ephesians. Uh, First John 4 and verse 10. Herein is love. See, that's how we're going to be presented. Our, our, our text uh, said, uh, chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy without blame before him in love. So this in love is going to be how it takes place. So, and I lost the page there. Okay, okay. Uh, 1 John 4 and 10 tells us what this, exactly what this love is. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we can t temporarily take the middle part of that verse out, which is very true. Not that we love God. We certainly didn't love him before the foundation world, and we wouldn't have loved him. Uh, John tells us that we would choose darkness over light. We would not. But read it this way, verse 10. Herein is love. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's love. And if we take that in with Corinthians 1.4, according as he has chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy without blame before him in love. How are we holy without blame? By turning over a new leaf? By doing the best we can? No, in love. And this is love. That he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Didn't need our help. Uh, back at our text again. Uh, Colossians 1 and 23. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, and, and who, keeps us, who keeps us from moving away? It says, if you continue in the faith and grounded and settled, and be not moved away, who keeps us being moved away from, from the hope of the gospel? Our shepherd. Our shepherd that watches out for us. He's the one that keeps us safety. If you, consider in, uh, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature that is under the heaven, and I, Paul, am made a minister. Paul was made a minister. Minister of reconciliation. A minister of how we're presented wholly and without blame. Uh, a minister of the gospel. So Paul says that he was made a, a minister of this. Minister of the gospel. Minister of reconciliation. Minister of being made wholly without blame. Through love. What, what did Paul preach? So, 
You say, well, he preached a lot. And he did. And, and, and thank the Lord that, it, that he has called Paul to do that. And we have this recorded for us. But what did Paul preach? Well, he, he preached a lot, you could say. But regarding this, made a minister. If you, could, if you could read all the way through Paul's writing, well, through the Holy Spirit, Paul's writings, if you could read it all through and, and summarize it, what would, where would you go? What would you say? What, what was the heart? What was his ministry? It boiled all down and, and, and put it in just a few words. What, what would it be? Again, he, so much there and everything. But he was made a minister. So without reading all these books that's recorded for us, he told him we won't go to it. 1 Corinthians 2 and 2. This one that was made a minister by God, he says, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I, you know, we have discussions. How do babies get to heaven? Well, if they die before they're 12 years old, it's automatic. That's another way. You ask me how do babies get to heaven? I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ and crucified. You say, well, what's the little baby done? Oh, it's from Adam, just as you and I. You mean, we read that. By the disobedience of Adam, we all fell. We're all sinners. So you ask me, and I, I'm no Apostle Paul. But you ask me, how do babies get to heaven? I'm going to tell you, Jesus Christ, him crucified. Well, how about if somebody was out on a deserted island or some tribes out there that never had radio, never heard preachers, and, and don't have this book, and how they get to heaven? And they said, well, God will make a special way for them. No, Jesus Christ and crucified. There's only one way. What about somebody that's developmentally disabled? Just called mentally retarded. How would they get to heaven? I've heard, well, God would make a special way for them. He did make a special way. Jesus Christ and crucified. Only one way. So if you take all of Paul's, all of the words that the Lord wanted to have recorded for us through the Apostle Paul by the leadership of the Spirit, it's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He's made a minister, and to sum it all up, that's what it is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We may ask questions, but don't get off of that foundation. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It, it's not. Plus, he didn't say, Jesus Christ, him crucified, plus you turning over a new leaf. And Helen, we've talked about that so many times. Was it Campbell or somebody says, that leaf just is dirty on the other side. Jesus Christ, him crucified. Can't we all agree with that? An atheist wouldn't. A, uh, uh, a Jewish person, Orthodox, at this time, they wouldn't. But the rest of us, can't we agree with that? That's the summary of all his writings and summarized so well. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Uh, 
verse 24. But that was his ministry. The gospel, reconciliation, peace, and sums it up by Jesus Christ and crucified. Verse 24, Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. So, again, talking about the church again. The body of Christ is, is the church, made up of members in particular. 25, of which I am made a minister. There it is again. Of which I am made a minister. According to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He says, I've been made a minister. How? By the dispensation of God. Or the administration or the stewardship of God. God made him a minister. Didn't appoint himself a minister. God made him a minister. And made manifest, by the way, through the church and body. And we won't go into that. Uh, and then 26. I don't think we'll have time to go through 26, but let me just read it. So he's made a, Paul been made a minister by God. Said, uh, given to me for you, uh, for you to fulfill the word of God. And then he goes, this Bible wasn't divided up into chapters and verses. This has been added for us to study, and that's, that's a good thing. But we can read right on through. Uh, God was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which had been hidden from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. This has been hidden for generations. Uh, we are out of time. We'll re and I may take us up again tonight. Uh, but been hidden for generations. It says, but now is made manifest to his saints. We're talking about New Testament saints now. Mystery, been hidden. Uh, we may read tonight that uh, uh, many prophets and righteous men desired to see and hear the things that you hear, didn't hear them. Mystery. It was hidden. So, again, we may take this up, but let me read our text since we didn't get to it. Verse 28. Whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So Paul's teaching, that's certainly what it did. That every man, his teaching would show you, Clara May, that you're perfect in Christ Jesus. Not perfect any other way, perfect in Christ Jesus. That's what his teaching was all about. And again, we, we didn't get all the way through this, but what we looked at so far all the different things. It doesn't show a, uh, that he needed our help to bring this to pass. He didn't need our help to bring this peace that brings us in harmony with God. He didn't our, need our help to reconcile, to bring us in agreement, in balance. 
Didn't need our help with that. Didn't need our help in creating all things. Doesn't need our help at all. So, does he, so in the, in the scriptures, in the word that Paul has made a minister, you see that you've been made perfect in Christ Jesus. Does he need your help? Does he need your permission? I've heard some, some people, well, you invite God in. Doesn't need anything. In fact, well, if you want to read Ephesians 1, 4 again, that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be presented holy, without blame before him, in love. And this is love, that God gave his son to be a propitiation for our sins. May the Lord bless the speaking of his word. We're dismissed. Uh, you want to go ahead and have this Wednesday again? Uh, rather than... Yeah, uh, that's, that's fine. If uh, no objection, we'll just go ahead and have our Bible study. Had to... Uh...